I took his hand and asked what he was thinking. He said, man, having antlers would be weird. <laughs> <laughs> Ho, ho, ho. Welcome once again aboard Roast Turkey Station for a very special Yuletide edition edition. of our movie podcast. This is the Christmas special episode of Beef Station. I'm Oscar. Uh, And a ho, ho, ho to you. I'm Andrew. (laughs) We're back for the second time in one week. We're gonna we're gonna drop yeah. a very. This is the first time in almost two years of the podcast that we have done a Christmas episode. Yeah, because I, I feel like that. every other year we've been like, should we do a Christmas episode? Well, Christmas is three days, so we'll, <laughs> like, oh fuck, fucking no. Yeah, uh, and we should define. So this we we this means we specifically watched what we would consider to be Christmas movies. Right. For this I episode. think that looking back on it, looking and through like lists of. Had we not been doing this, I would never have watched <laughs> especially one of these movies. Right. Um, so, you hadn't seen either of these two movies before? No. Right. Uh, favorite Christmas uh, movies? Uh, yeah, I think I'd seen one of them before, right. but when I was a kid. Favorite Christmas movies? Put a call out for it, and they didn't leave enough space, uh, and we don't have enough listeners to get the, get the emails flooding in. We don't in. have responsive listeners. Y'all no. aren't pulling your damn weight. No. Um Get in uh, our ears and be like, watch this fucking movie. <laughs> so we thought about like Gremlins. You said Gremlins. I, I don't I'm, know if it's I a Christmas movie. I definitely want to do Gremlins 1 and 2. Is Gremlins a Christmas movie? Yes, absolutely. Right, okay, we could have done Gremlins. We could have done Home Alone. Next year uh, we should do Gremlins. A, a whole bunch of Christmas movies we could have done. Instead, uh, yeah. we did Die Hard, I suppose, because that's contentiously like maybe a Christmas movie, maybe mm. not. It's also an action classic that we've been meaning to get to anyway. Uh, and the other one that I wanted to do mostly so I could watch you kicking and screaming. The whole way through, drag you into the cinema and watch it. Was we watched Love Actually? Ugh. So we did uh, 1980 yes. somethings Die Hard. 88, and I think. 2000. Oh no, nah, it's way earlier than that. I don't think um, so. I reckon I'm right. I reckon you can get fucked. Yeah, 1988. What did you say? 1988. Yeah, cool. Okay. So yep. we so we did 1988's Die I know, Hard. Mission Impossible was 96, <laughs> and I had to check that, and I thought, fuck, these are eight years apart. Well, there you go. Uh, Maybe it's 94. And after Die Hard, we went straight into a double bill uh, and watched Love Actually, yep. which. Came we, out. We double fisted Christmas movies, <laughs> which came out in two thousand and three. Mm. Um, Love Actually, definitely a Christmas movie. Die Hard, debatably a Christmas movie. Yeah. Um, there's probably out the, the the two. I, I don't know. There are, there are plenty of better Christmas movies, but I feel like these are oh, two reasonably right iconic ones. Uh, Die Hard, because it's I think yeah one of the most iconic action movies of all time, and people say it's a Christmas movie, even though it's probably not. Um, <laughs> Love Actually, because I think when it came out, it was a huge cultural sensation and it was very popular when it came out and I was surprised by I mean there are plenty of rom-coms that might not be good films but I was surprised in terms of the movies like politics sort of or in terms of the movies like social politics social politics how quickly the tables have turned on love actually yeah let's get into that later because I feel like (laughs) Yeah, when we start on that path, there's no coming back from it. <laughs> so those guys were Christmas movies. Uh, we could talk a bit Much about like standing uh, in front of a locomotive, which I wish I could have done while watching Love Actually. You so, wouldn't be able to stop me when I start. So we can get back into um, we can get back into Christmas movies a bit later and talk mm. about our other favorite Christmas movies. But Creevies. for the Creevies, thank you. Uh, but for the moment, uh, let's warm up with a bit of news, shall we? Sure. We've only got a little bit of news. Mm. Cool. Beef bullets. I don't know if you noticed, but I I I Christmased 
Christmas oh, Eve up the, right. the music. I thought there. you were doing something. I got, I got there. the. I looked at the band and I said, "Just watch me for the changes, boys." Is there a little twinkle in your eye, <laughs> a little twinkle in the sky. I was making a list. Is I was checking snow? it twice. No, it's ho, firing ho, up ho, the ho. reindeer. Yeah, getting ready for the Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, diesel reindeer. Uh, <laughs> I feel it a lot more than petrol reindeers. <laughs> <laughs> My diesel reindeer being taken to an international court for faking their yeah. You don't want to environmentally. You don't want to put petrol in your diesel reindeers. That really no, it fucks. I'll tell you really, what. If you let your reindeer really run dry, fucks them. completely the horns fucks fly them. out through the bonnet. Yeah. <laughs> Rudolph's, Rudolph's nose turns fucking green. Oh yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> um, big news this week that isn't necessarily funny, but it's very exciting. Mm. Peter Jackson released five minutes of footage from his new Beatles Get Back documentary that was supposed to be coming out. This year, and it's now been pushed back to I think late next year, right? Um, which was very, very frustrating because I think uh, I, I think coronavirus has been a thing for all of like three months, and he was like, "Oh, that's it, I'm delayed a year." Uh, <laughs> so now it's coming out to August twenty twenty one. Probably the right move, but yeah. yeah. Um, but fucking man, I'm so excited. I don't know whether anyone that doesn't care about the Beatles knows, but the Let It Be album that mm. came out was a result of months of sessions where the band had been working on lots of very, very overproduced or very, very elaborately produced. produced music. And they were like, fuck it, let's just get back to being a band again. We'll just record an album that's all live takes of stuff, no overdubs and orchestras and choirs and shit. Whatever we can get um, in the mic while it's going, that's while it. It's going. Maybe we'll get like a, maybe we'll do a live special somewhere. We'll put on a show in a big theater or on a in a coliseum right. and we'll film all the writing and recording and rehearsals for that show and that could be the movie we come out because we owe this movie company a third movie anyway right and so they did months and months of like rehearsals and writing songs on like a sound stage mm, and okay. because of the stresses in the band at the time they ended up being very stressful and emotionally turbulent sessions that ended up with a movie almost being like a documentary of the Beatles breaking up. Like you right. saw them like sniping at each other and you saw like George almost like quit the band and come back and be like, all right, I'm coming back, but you, you can't, can't have any of my songs. I'm just going to sit in the background and play on your, your fucking songs. Jesus. Because you guys clearly don't give a fuck about my music and yeah, all, all yeah. this stuff. And so that, that album came, that movie came out in 69 or 70. Nice. Uh, thank you. And um, it was never properly re-released. And I think all the members of the band were sort of uncomfortable re-releasing it because it's this very sensitive, Perhaps tender subject. them in a very good light. It doesn't, no. Um, and so uh, there's like 56 hours of unreleased footage. And the short story, because I've talked about it before, is that Peter Jackson, uh, the Lord of the Ring... Um, <laughs> the Lord of the Remaster. ...has gone through and... I imagine remastered all this footage and he's cutting together a new version of the documentary to sort of show a lot more of the happier sides of the sessions and right. Paul said that he, Paul McCartney said that he had watched a rough cut of this new movie and said like yeah I sort of like not gaslit myself but I had sort of convinced myself that these were very unhappy sessions and I'd forgotten about all these great happy times I had right, with my mates okay. and so there's new there's five minutes of preview footage that is like some of the happiest fucking footage of the Beatles in the studio that I've never They're seen having before fun and enjoying themselves. it's like John and Paul like ballroom dancing together and fucking around and like oh it's so much fun it That's looks like the cool. happiest ass movie I'm really looking forward to it yeah and this follows on from um, the one that he did about World War 2 they shall not grow they, old they shall not grow well, old I don't know if he's done the same techniques but I imagine it's 50 year old footage that's been sitting on a shelf I imagine they've had to do something to it yeah and I can was link completely black and white and they recolored it and like the added be... sound and everything yeah right. oh that's right yeah of course Um, mm. that was amazing and they stabilised the frame rate on that shit as well because the World War 1 cameras were hand cranked cameras so really shaky and, so they, and, stuff, yeah. and that's why 
why they look like they're walking around really quickly and it's fucked because mm. it's like someone can't keep a consistent 24 frames of <laughs> right. hand crank. Of course, yeah. yeah. So they had to like manually do that shit. Mm. Oh it, yeah, that it, sounds wild. It's so funny though that he he like films the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, mm. and so he's on set. In from all accounts, this nightmare experience for like I don't know how long would he have been doing that shit? Like twelve years? A long time, yeah. Like fifteen years, maybe. Yeah, and the Hobbit, like twenty years of his fucking life is doing. Yeah, this shit. and he's like, I'm never setting foot on a set ever again in my entire life. Yeah. If I, I if think you, you mean find he said, me anywhere, I'll, I'll never set yeah. a foot on. <laughs> I, I just want to never set foot on a film set ever again set. in my entire life. Yep. Um. I th- he did say that. We'll splice in the audio, so whatever yeah. you. Heard no, we just was, did. That uh, was, was what him I was talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, he's just like, if you can find me, I'll be in an editing room. Yeah, and that's the only place you're gonna find me. Two years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Motherfucker yeah. uh, just wants funny. to wear a t-shirt and shorts to work every day yeah, for the rest of his life. He's wearing Crocs. Hell yeah, he's out. <laughs> yeah, but this footage looks great. It's footage I'd never seen before. Mm. I'm so excited. Yeah, this, this film is made for you. Fucking movie. Yeah. And it's not coming out till August of 2021. Oh, right. It's bad news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so there's yeah. Yeah, five minutes of any footage for the three people out there that give Surely a shit. Surely this is one where you're not going to lose a great deal not slating it for a theatrical release, right? Like, just put <sighs> I mean, it on, in the five minutes, on Prime or whatever. In the five... Or I think Disney owns the rights to it as well. Mm, of course they do. Um, and I think in, fi- the five, in the five minutes of like preview thing, he gave a little intro to it that was like, oh, yeah, I'm halfway through the edit now. I was like, can't you... You were nowhere near being ready earlier in the year. <laughs> yeah, you were yeah. like... Praying for a global pandemic yeah. or some shit. You didn't like back off the accelerator because the pandemic yeah. hit. You, you were halfway you were into boned. like setting your own fucking studio on fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sounds like it. Pushing yourself down the stairs and being like, yeah. what the hell's a beetle? No, yeah. no idea what you're talking about. Am I supposed to edit it now? I've got no arms. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that might literally be almost all the news I had. Great, Let's it's been call about it. three days. <laughs> Merry Christmas! Um, Fantastic Beast Star Three, Mads Mikkelsen. Yep, has been of course been recast uh, after Johnny Depp got kicked off the movie. Mm. Um, he was asked if he's spoken to Johnny Depp yet about it, uh, and when asked whether he'd spoken, he said, "No, I don't know him." <laughs> <laughs> I've met him once. I wish I had his phone number, but unfortunately, that's not that's the definitely case. Definitely a why would I kind of answer. <laughs> oh man, yeah, wild, absolutely wild. But just like now, my hands are tired. I guess there's there's no other large organization that could put us in touch or anything. But what's the what what's to be gained there from talking about it? You know, like yeah, yeah. it's like bro, watch the movie, do whatever you want. That's my performance. Yeah. It's like that um, fucking Nicolas Cage interview where he's like, no, I channeled the character by like sewing a little statue of King Tut into my leather jacket. Yeah, Johnny exactly. Depp's not going to be like, here's the sacred, bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Matt Mickelson doesn't need any fucking help. He's a great actor. He's a bit of a creep as well. That's a good pick. Oh, as well, so hey? creepy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a bit of a climate change nice. So nice one, man. <laughs> uh, all right, so l- last one here. Yep. How's this? Lily James and Sebastian Stan will be Pamela Anderson and Motley Crue's Tommy Lee for a new series about the pair's infamous sex tape. Okay. Pamela Anderson and Motley Crue drummer Tommy Lee had a sex tape scandal back in, I don't know, whenever it is, the 80s or something. Yeah, approximately 1885. And there's going to be a new miniseries about this sex tape scandal worked on by the guy uh, behind I, Tonya. Okay. Uh, Apparently and Seth Rogen's going to produce it. Right. So there you go. If you want to see, if you want to see Lily James, fuck Sebastian Stan, and listeners at home, you can just Google who those are. 
A lot of people being like, I don't. I think you recognise Lily James, Sebastian Stan. No, perhaps not so much. Yeah. I don't really know how you can get an eight-episode miniseries out of two people fucked and filmed it, but oof. yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, I, I feel like you can have a um, series of unfortunate events style, or like you know, a, a a series that depicts the unfortunate events cascading from this. Uh, yeah, one thing. So it'll probably be like just a comedy series. But yeah. <laughs> it, it says while a scandalous event will play a major part in the series, hell yeah, exactly. The yeah. story will have a big focus on their relationship, going back to their whirlwind romance that started with their marrying after only knowing each other for ninety six hours Oof. in nineteen ninety five. Uh, the leaked VHS tape turned into quite the legal dispute, with Anderson suing the video distribution company Internet Entertainment Group. Ultimately. Uh, the Lees entered into a confidential settlement with IEG. Thereafter, the company began making the tape available to subscribers to its websites again, <laughs> resulting yeah. in triple their normal traffic. That is so funny. Hell yeah. That's so, so there you go. Funny. That's all the news I've got. It's been literally like three days since yeah, we recorded okay. the last episode. There you go. So we don't have very much. That's right. Um, do you want to do a little bit of beef and pleasure? Yeah, before I think we've we, got, we got one anything? thing that I can talk about. I don't know if you've got anything. Cool. All right. Let's hit. Let's let's. I'll meet you after the music, yeah, bro. I'll see, I'll see you after the music, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> Bye for now. See yeah, you, mate. See Bye. You. Bye. Right. See you. Bye. Bye. Business. Pleasure. 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 Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. 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 Beef to so pleasure. Hey. Hey. Good how you doing? Yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> Beef to so pleasure. Uh, I've been waiting around for fucking twenty minutes, bro. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I been? got lost on the way. Stop for a coffee. You can't look up late with a coffee. Well, I can't do this without one. <laughs> Um, Beef for Pleasure is of course the segment that we devote every week to uh, the pleasurable media Whoa. consumption activities that aren't directly related to the movies we're doing for the podcast so that's right other shit we've watched this week we watched some Christmas movies and some other shit this is the <coughs> other shit we'll see you for the Christmas movies later yep um, I watched a little while ago The Queen's Gambit yes Netflix I have also series. watched some of this great so I think we've got a game plan here yeah uh, it's a series set in the sort of late 50s early 60s uh, in America it stars Anya Taylor-Joy as a fictional character, and it's a fully fictional story. I thought about it was based on a true story. No, me too. It's not. Okay. There you go. Which is one of the one of the problems I have with it, but whatever. Um, mm. it's Anya Taylor-Joy uh, stars as a uh, savant-level child that's very good at chess. Child chess prodigy. Yeah. yeah. Um, she gets taught by the janitor at her orphanage. To, yeah, to, to play chess, and then she gets adopted by some family, and then they're like, oh, you, you go fucking play with dolls and go to school, and she's like, can I play chess? And they're like, no, bro. And then yeah. she's like, well, I, can, I can win money playing chess, and they're like, all right, you can play whoa. chess. <laughs> whoa, 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 slow down. You didn't mention you could uh, <clears throat> make the big bucks. Yeah, so uh, it's, it's mostly just like Anya Taylor-Joy plays chess every episode for... Yep. Eight weeks or something. It's, there's I, a lot of that. I'm really enjoying it though. It's it's, yeah. it's a drama. I think you're halfway through it and I've finished it. Yep. It's uh mostly it's it is just a drama, a period drama. I like a good period piece. Yeah. I think that a lot of the value comes out of 
I don't know, watching her go from success to success, mm. which kind of is detracted from a little bit, in my opinion, because it's not based on a true story. They've just written this fictional character that's good at chess. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. well, you could have written her to be as good at chess as you want to. Right, like, right. She could become the fucking champion of the universe at chess. And you could be like, how amazing? This is like, not that amazing. This right. is a fictional story. Right. I think, <laughs> yeah, but I guess it's interesting or it's a success that they've made it so captivating to watch. And I think the amount yeah. of time you spend actually watching them play chess games in this series uh, and coupling that with the fact that it is still interesting is yeah. like quite impressive like it's got this kind of cute tone to it where they they paint it like almost like if you're watching like the pokemon tv series and everyone cares about pokemon like it's the most important fucking thing on the planet right this you're is in like the chess everyone world. cares about chess like it's the most important fucking thing on the planet yeah yeah and chess is all, like there is no sport there is only chess and there i think there's i don't know if you're up to this bit but there's literally like a scene where people are like all around the world are like excitedly tuning into chess matches right, on the radio right, and shit right. and like waiting outside buildings for people to run out and be like she played knight to e4 like, right <laughs> right a lot of the shit was like come on bro this is not happening like yeah, i realize yeah. it's the 1950s but no one is waiting outside no one's tuning into that little transistor radio fucking Oh, shit was pretty boring back then, man. Like, <laughs> maybe. Like, I don't know if there was anything else that you could do. Mm. I, I binged it I in like playing a... chess was the only game for like 2,000 years, <laughs> man. Yeah, Jesus. You would have thought they would have played all the games. Yeah, it's like, like that and Finska. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it mostly because it like showed me this like old timey kind of world that I sort of didn't. I hadn't seen much. Like I, I just enjoy like seeing them get on playing. Like, what was it like getting on a plane and going to yeah, a hotel yeah. in the sixties? That was fucking. It's fucking cool. So I just uh, finished up work on a feature film. That right, finished man. in Canberra. No, oh, they filmed in Canberra. Sorry. Uh, so I was helping out with that for a couple of days um, in the art department, and it was really interesting seeing this as like a period piece and looking at it having just kind of like worked in a production and having to be like oh fuck they would have had to yeah like the shit. amount of shit that's in a period piece especially but just like also the quality of the art direction in this this yeah. really feels like it just takes place in the fucking it looks 50s amazing and 60s. i think this it is like mad incredible. mad men level of quality of I would agree. production yeah. design yeah and it's not something that i think a lot of people think of when they watch mad men because it, it is a yeah. little bit like having good editing or good sound where if it's done right you just don't notice it um, it's yeah. just a great element of the filmmaking process but if it's done badly it can look really weird and, I and this looks fucking great and I suppose th- an interesting thing about it maybe is the idea that people they don't have to conform to what it was really like in the 60s no, they have to conform to, to right. yeah to what people's understanding of the 60s feels right. like and one of the reasons why Mad Men's direction was so good art direction was and production design sorry was so good is because they knew that if you were making a show that took place in the 50s and 60s, a lot of the shit that you saw on set was going to be from the 30s and 40s because people buy stuff and own it for 10 or 20 yeah, years. Yeah, that's interesting. And so it's not 50s so you're not, era you're not going stuff. out and buying modern 60s furniture. No, yeah. it's a thir- 1935 radio yeah. in this 1950s office because it's old. That's and interesting. And so, yeah, you've got to, you, you can really like... But then it doesn't... And I think it feels like they did a good job of it, but it could very easily accidentally feel like it's taking place in the 30s because people aren't used to seeing that type of actually accurate period mm. piece type stuff. That is interesting. It's a lot of stuff you yeah. don't normally put a lot of thought into. No, but the, you know, this is why this is people's entire job is yeah. thinking about like, right, what fucking radios would they have had around back then? And not just when 
what does a radio look like that was made in that year? Like when you walked into a room in that time, yeah. what would you have seen? It's <laughs> yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Um, I think Anya Taylor-Joy's performance in... Uh, Queen's Gambit is fantastic. I've been a big fan of hers since like 2017 when I saw yeah. her in Thoroughbreds. It's a very, it's a very wooden, stilted kind of performance. Uh, I only, don't think so. The character is quite. She doesn't speak emotionless. a whole lot, and I think the fact that she's playing chess a lot and not talking a whole lot, you need to read a lot of the performance and the emotion and even the storytelling on her yeah. face. And I think she actually has quite, for me personally, and you might have found her performance wooden. But for me personally, I think she does a, a very good job of conveying that emotion through what you're seeing on her face. And yeah. you spend a lot of time just looking at her reactions she does, to stuff. You're right. She does a lot of good facial expressions and you, it's sort of fun to watch her like deep in thought. Yeah. And she's got such a weird fucking face yeah. that it's fascinating to stare at. Oh, and um, uh, fucking Dudley Dursley from Harry Potter is in this. And she's oh, got yeah? like the widest set eyes you've ever seen. Oh, that's seen. right. Yeah, and, and he's got the narrowest narrow set eyes you've ever seen. It's very it's crazy. Funny. Yeah, Harry Melling. Yeah, I, I saw someone on Twitter say if they had a kid, their eyes would be the right distance apart. <laughs> yeah. Harry very Melling. Good stuff. Harry Melling, I think, is very good in this. He's great. And I hadn't seen also, him in anything other than Harry Potter. A little before. connection between this and our feature: uh, Thomas Brady Sangster, who plays the character of Benny Watts, who is like a chess cowboy. Basically. His character fucking sucks. Yeah, man. he's such an asshole. I think he's good in it, but. He's his character is just peak, like, dude thinks he looks sick in a trench coat. Yeah, exactly. And, like, yeah, dude sh- thinks he... He is exactly the type of guy who wore a suit to every uni class nowadays. Yeah. That fucker. This yeah. fucking guy... Um, I Absolute hated his character, dork. but I feel like the show is Debate a bit... lord ass yeah. fucking shithead. The yeah. show is a bit self-aware about it, because he was, like, ultimately a nice guy, but it's like, she goes like, why the fuck are you wearing a knife, man? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and you like, got your fucking uh... everyday carry on you, do you, little chess boy? Yeah, yeah, fuck. But he is also in Love Actually. Yeah. As um, uh, Liam Neeson's little fucking step... Step, step kid, thing. kid or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Liam is step kid. He is like, son. If a woman comes in here, yeah. I'm kicking you uh, out in the street. So when we can you're cop on a route, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think there was an interesting little, uh, interesting yeah. little thing there. Well, I reckon it's worth finishing, man. No, you're right. She's she's good in it. Um, but I, I'm I'm mostly watching it for the backdrop and the interesting sets and. Period. Yeah, yeah, but I am finding the storyline interesting. I did find yeah. it quite compelling, so I think it's it succeeds quite well yeah. narratively as well. But it also looks great, which really helps. I'm pretty sure I'm right about it not being based on a true story, which kind of detracts it a bit from me because it's like, yeah, I sort of care less that they've invented this fictional child that's amazing at chess because it's like, well, that's probably or that you could just write anything, right? You know what I mean, right? It's like, yeah, um, she can fucking fly and shoot lasers out of her eyes. Isn't that cool? Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, but you know, I don't know. It didn't really detract from it for me. Uh, yeah. I think. I mean, maybe because I thought it was based on a true story. But even knowing that, it's like, well, I still found it captivating. And, and so I, they've done a good job of not making yeah. it too much of a machine. And I kind of like the idea that she's been given a bit of a drive. Like she was at this orphanage and it was like her like one escape and like outlet yeah. for her, like, her own... Um, like self confidence almost. Right. It was like something she could commit herself to and be good at and mm. be better at than everyone else in the orphanage and that sort of thing. And so you could sort of see like the way that she opens up and like becomes an adult and sort of emotionally develops as she becomes better at chess and sort yeah. of works her way through the, the the ranks that way, I think is quite interesting and quite compelling. Mm. And how much she crumbles when 
um, you know, she's challenged by it or feels like she's failing yeah. at it. It's all of a sudden they intercut a lot of like flashbacks back to, you know, when she's staring down an opponent who's beating the shit out of her. They'll mm. directly juxtapose the opponent that she's currently facing with the janitor who used to be ruthless yeah. in how he played her. And so you can tell that she's, you know, she's like, oh God, it's happening to me again. Yeah. Where, um, I'm not good at this thing anymore and, and that's all I have. So yeah. it's quite compelling in that way. I fucking hated the visual effects chessboard stuff that they did when she's like when staring she's like up looking at, at the, the ceiling. ceiling. I thought that was so fucking goofy, man. Uh, I, I mean, I understand. I didn't mind I was it. talking to Em and I was like, how would you have... I was thinking to myself, like, how would I have done it? And I was like, well, I don't have a better way of doing it. It's just I like Sherlock <laughs> Mind Palace yeah. thing. And they flicker and stuff. It looks very fucking... Uh, it's not meant to look like they're really on the ceiling. It's very much like her mind's eye and she's yeah. seeing these. But they look so visual effects-y that I just felt like it didn't fit with the aesthetic of the rest of the show at all. And yeah, I, that's fair. I think I would almost have rather... Here's how I probably would have done it. I would probably have would like- have had her be transported into a, a, not, like a non-real room with real chess pieces that she moves around or whatever. Um... So I don't know. I didn't. I, d- I thought that was goofy as hell. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't mind it if only because it gave you this idea that she has a different way of looking at the game. That's not just like oh she imagines herself playing chess. It's like no, nah, she has this like visual aid that no one else seems to be able to do. Like mm. she asks someone like, "Don't you do this?" And they're like, "What? No." And, right. and, and so she has this like unique perspective that everyone else doesn't really get. That allows her to work through the problems and work through the, the game yeah. in ways that other people can't. It's also a little bit like, I don't know, they spend a lot of time, we'll wrap that up in a sec, but yeah. they spend a lot of time focusing on how she's got this like unique quality where she's such an intuitive player and she just sometimes the moves just pop into her head and like, yeah. that's really when she's playing at her best is when she's not too, she's not studying the game, she's not trying to, you know, run every simulation in her head and then yeah. do the most optimal play. She just feels what's right. But then you've got this like goofy VFX chessboard thing where it looks like she's gaming out every possible move almost in a computer animation. It makes it feel like, are you trying to make her seem more like this savant that's capable of seeing all these branching paths and picking the right one? Or does she not see any branching paths but is capable of somehow making the right choice anyway, which is kind of this inherently amazing thing? The way, like, yeah, the way I just got was it... just a bit incongruous. The me. way I got it, uh, and again, I know you're only halfway through, is that like, um, I felt like she was a very intuitive player that could do that thinking ahead thing if she wanted to, she wanted to but yeah. just could never be fucked. Right. And so, doesn't ever really sit down and study it that much. She's just like lies in bed and fucking imagines like, oh, how would well, I But I then she tries that? to and her mum's like, you should fucking study less, even though this is literally our income. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, mum, shut up. Let her <laughs> yeah. study, you idiot. Yeah. Yeah. No, so no, I, I really enjoyed I've been really, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, it's I great. Think, I, I think, think the fact that in. it's a limited series or however many episodes. episodes it is, yep. I think it's good. Because any more than that, no, they've been like, all right, I don't, I don't care this much about chess. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah, so quite good. All right. Well, let's move on to our main attraction, yeah, right. which is two little Christmas films. Let's do it. So, uh, what did you... Uh, have you got much of a relationship with Christmas movies at all? Because I know a lot of families, like... I mean, we both come from really reasonably small families in terms of, like... What, what the fuck you call it? The people you live with, like the nuclear family or whatever. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, I'm an only child. I know that a lot of people have like a tra- Christmas tradition where they sit down and watch like a some Christmassy kind of movie every year, or they have like a like a go to movie for their family. Right. And I think Love Actually is actually one of those for a lot of people. Have mm. you got like a Christmas movie that springs to mind as one that's a favorite? I don't think that I do. I don't have a ritual Christmas movie. You know what I mean? Where my yeah. family chucks it on every Christmas. Um, I think my the first Christmas movie I think of is probably The Grinch with Jim Carrey. Yeah, right. I don't think I've ever seen that. <laughs> I don't know if it's aged very well, but because um, you you went through like a huge Jim Carrey. I reckon The thing. Grinch was before my Jim Carrey bender. It might even yeah. like I don't really remember, but it might have kicked it off. Like I just loved that movie. Yeah, I thought right. it was so fucking funny. Um, the art style, I know that, like, I've listened to a couple of people give their opinions on it in recent times, and, yeah. like, it's directed by Ron Howard. Um, <laughs> that dude directs all sorts of weird shit. Right, and <laughs> and it, it's got such bold and, from what these people have said, ugly art direction. I haven't watched it in a really long time. And there's some weird, gross jokes in it and stuff. Um, not gross, but as in like... In the way that a lot of 90s movies did, where yeah. like you, you watch it today, we're like, is this a kid's movie? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like a dude French kisses a dog's butthole and stuff. Hell yeah, it's dude. It's not like... Yeah, it's so... Uh, some of the stuff in it is like, okay, this is real messed up. But kids love it. Um, so I don't think I'll... You, you mean know, specifically I'm not in a great French rush. kissing dog's buttholes, yep. right? Yeah. I'm not in a great rush to go back and watch it again because I'm not sure that it will, you know, yeah. that I'll find the same charm that I did. Maybe this but is the thing like when, when you've got a kid that you're showing a Christmas movie to, you can yeah, put that on a good excuse yeah. to watch it. I think so. I think Jim Carrey's performance in that movie is so fucking captivating that... And like, yeah. has he ever chewed up the scenery more? Maybe in Ace Ventura, where he's chewing up the scenery with his butthole. But, <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, other than that, I don't know. I, so that's probably my that's my the movie that I think of when I think of Christmas movies. Yeah, right. I think that I, so. I don't have a ritual Christmas movie anywhere, and I think that the Australian culture of um, Christmas is very different to the American holidays and snow and hot cocoa by the fire type Christmas that those yeah. images, those American movies kind of conjure. But for me, the the movie that I like the most that is most related to like Christmas as a theme, and I know you've written down what you think I'm going to say, yep. <laughs> um, is Nightmare Before Christmas. Damn, okay. I fucking love that movie, Oh, man. I forgot about that. What, what did you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to say Muppets Christmas Special. Oh, the Muppets! Oh, oh, the Muppets and Christmas Carol. Yeah, yeah. I almost tried to watch. I, I almost tried. I did try and watch that this morning, but um, and I don't think I've seen it. I don't think I've seen right, it. Right. Okay. I might have seen it maybe once when I was a lot younger. Feels but it's like on, it should be right up your fucking alley. Yeah, I really like the Muppets. I think I if I haven't seen that one, I couldn't see it recently just because it's on fucking Disney Plus. Right, that and sucks. I'm already giving Amazon my money. Yeah, yeah. Might <laughs> maybe as well. we'll cancel Amazon for a bit and jump onto Disney Plus. Yeah, sure. Um, Thanks, man. But yeah, no, Nightmare Before Christmas, I fucking That actually might be my answer as an adult. Yeah. I really love that movie. I've only seen it a couple of times, but... um, It's got that same weird, grotesque kind of edge to it. It's But that's more like gothic grotesque. Yeah. It's not like... Yeah, because, you know, you'll have like maggots crawling out of people's eyes or anything, but in Mm. this like demented, cartoonish, endearing way that Tim Burton is so kind of good at... Um, I also love that movie. What a cool one. I'm going to have to watch that again. So, hilariously, we're not talking about any of those Neither of those <laughs> Haven't seen it. 
in a very long time. First movie we watched is Die Hard. Have you seen Die Hard before? I know I... Oh, no. I thought I had, but, you know, I didn't remember any of it. Right. So, maybe so you'd seen I'm the first bit of the trailer all. or something. Yeah. What yeah. did you think? It's like an iconic piece of 80s action cinema up there with your Predators and your fucking Mission Impossible. Your Aliens. Alien. Um... I suppose those are all sci-fi's, but you know what I mean? Up there with those iconic kind of 80s action hero type movies. So I wouldn't say that it compared very favorably to many of them. I would say I felt like this lined up more with um, Speed or like those types of, almost like the 90s, because this was late 80s, right? Almost like those 90s action movies, especially cop action movies. Yeah. Um, Even like Heat. At some points, I feel like you could kind of tell yeah. that Heat was, but Heat is so so much better, way more serious. Or yeah. this is a bit goofy. It is, and apparently this movie was kind of you know one of the forerunners of the like the eighties, the quipping action movie hero. Yeah, right? um, where Bruce Willis is saying saying killing a guy and being like cool off or whatever yeah. you know just the unhinged kind of stuff where if, if someone actually acted that way you'd be like this is a fucking psycho yeah. <laughs> this is like um, move Hollywood movie ass yeah. movie stuff where you're sort of suspending disbelief a little bit and just like watching him fucking go right so I enjoyed it for that reason um, in general it was like a positive experience to watch uh, it's not one of my favourite movies um, it's not even one of my favourite action movies Yeah, I right. thought it was fine you know, yeah. There's there's a long midsection where it just sort of seems like it's a it's a bit aimless. Didn't care what a lot of stuff was happening. Was yeah. yeah. Like I enjoy it. I like Die Hard. I think I've only seen it. This might be the second or maybe the second or third time I've seen it. So not mm. that many times. Like I only seen it once before. I liked it, but yeah. on a second viewing, because we watched it with a whole bunch of people, like my housemates and some partners and friends and that. Mm. Um, I friends of the show Zach and Mary. Yeah, we had like a whole crew. It turned out to be like a whole <laughs> fucking thing. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, so your partner and my housemates and a whole bunch of friends, we all, we all came over and watched it. Um, and there was a several oh, it's times... Miri, isn't it? Zach and Miri? Yeah. Fuck. Okay. Zick, Zick and Miri, make a ball. Zick and Miri. Zick and Miri, make ball, no? Still works. All right. Sorry. That's all right. Whatever dumb shit um, you were going to say. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I just meant like, I felt, I, I noticed several times that they were like, wait, so what the fuck is going on? And the answer every time is like, oh, no, they're just drilling through this vault the whole time. And they're just killing time. Totally. Waiting for the drill to go through the vault. Totally. So the, the main, the, so the, the crux of the story is there's yeah. this big skyscraper in LA. Bruce Willis is a New York cop that's just trying to see his family for Christmas. Um, and there's a Christmas party on Christmas Eve in Nakatomi Plaza Do you uh, want me to, uh, skyscraper. I'll read the letterbox synopsis. No, I'm halfway through it. I've almost Sorry. nailed it. <laughs> Um, yeah, right. When uh, a group of 12 German terrorists break in and hold everyone hostage and announce that they are going to steal $600,000 worth of, well, $600 million worth of bearer bonds from the building's vault. Right. And so uh, Bruce Willis is the only member of law enforcement in the building. Uh, he wasn't even supposed to be there, just there for the Christmas party. Yeah, he's off the and clock. His idea, his, 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 decided he's going to pick these terrorists off one by one and stop them from trying to hurt any hostages or destroy the building or whatever. So I think that's the problem. It's that his motives are not... I mean, his motives are kind of clear. Like, They're very like noble, to, but also yeah. quite selfish motives. Because I feel like you can explain it either way. You can be like, well, he's a cop. Or if you want to be like, fuck that, you can say, also say, well, his family are there. 
Right, and I think there's a few times where people are like, oh, you can't do that. You're a cop. You have to follow the rules. And he's like, come here. Yeah. Come here. Fuck the rules. <laughs> and so, like, his, his motivation isn't to, like, be a good cop or anything. No. It's to, like, rescue the hostages and stop all the guys. But he has multiple opportunities to try and kill these people and doesn't necessarily take them or whatever. Yeah. And even if he did, like, the it, it feels like the plot is just not quite clear enough i don't think his character has clear enough goals for you to be interested in what's what's going on while it's happening i think that most of the time you're trying to work out what the fuck is going on right so he's like you know if if there's a section where there's a part in this movie where he's crawling through air vents and there are bad guys below and so in that moment you fully grasp, like, okay, he's trying not to be heard by those guys. And it's a tense scene because, you know, if he makes the wrong move or if they bump the right part of the air vent because they're looking for him. So if they find him, he's obviously fucked. Yeah. But I don't know why he was in the air vent. You know? It's I mean, a lot know, of that. I know this isn't your point, but in, yeah, in that specific... He's a lot of, like, him being forced into situations or trapped in situations. Right, like, but that he, doesn't mean that I had a good grasp. That means I didn't have a good grasp on what his actual goals were. Like, yeah. what's your plan for freeing the hostages? What's your plan for killing all the terrorists? I don't know, and so... Moment yeah, I, to I moment, think sort of he doesn't know, but that might be a bit frustrating to watch. Well, that's like, not a good plot, yeah. yeah. And He's like, sort of like aimlessly I'm, trying to find out how many terrorists there are and try and pick them off. Right, and I'm a big brain guy being like, Die yeah. Hard didn't have a very good plot. And he's a bit of like a rat in the maze. But, I think for a lot of this yeah. movie, like he was forced into the elevator shaft and he falls down the elevator shaft and crawls through a vent because they're shooting at him. Yeah. And then he's like stuck in this vent and they, they saw him go in the vent and now they're chasing him. And like, So there's a lot of... But I think you're right that when that type of stuff... That type of stuff is entertaining while it's happening. But then it stops happening and we get lengthy sections with, like, boardroom scenes with um, fucking Snape, Alan Rickman, you know, like, talking to their LAPD or whatever. And it's like, I don't care about this shit. Like, just show me Bruce Willis avoiding being shot or shooting guys or yeah. let's get to the next part where he I does that. I thought Bruce Willis was pretty good in this though, man. I thought he was I thought he was very yeah. engaging. He is uh I think it's a great performance and I think it's is this one of his earliest performances? I don't know, but it's definitely one of his most iconic. Definitely. And I think also I saw a lot of the performance here that I felt like I'd seen in pulp fiction. Um especially where he is um so Almost the entire character, right? Like, I can kind of see why Tarantino thought Bruce Willis would be perfect for the character that he he plays in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Because he's uh, very angry and unhinged at certain points in time. He has to be very violent at certain points in time. But he also has this, like, quiet, very... Uh, shut off pensiveness to him. And it's very goofy a lot of the time as well. Yeah, I, I remember being is. surprised by like, yeah, there's a lot of very serious bits where he's like, I'm a cop, man, and I'm trying to save my family. Yeah. And then he'll come out with these weird zingers. <laughs> yeah. And like, he's always got this smirk on his face. And he like paints, he puts a Santa hat on a dead body and throws it down an elevator shaft with a message, a goofy joke yeah, on ho, the. Ho, 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 written on the singlet or whatever. Yeah. It's, yeah. In like probably the guy's blood. Yeah. It's very, yes, it is very weird. And I thought his performance was great. I think he's a really interesting person to watch on screen. Kind of makes me want to watch uh, Sixth Sense. No, not Sixth Sense. Fifth Element. He's in that too, right? Yeah, I haven't seen the Fifth Element. No, neither have but I. But there's also like fucking six of these Die Hard movies. Like, would you want to watch Die I've Hard 2? Die Hard 4. <laughs> Why? Because, I don't know, because it was the one that came out when right. probably around the time when I turned 15 or whatever. Right. 
And um and like I liked Justin Long in that movie. I remember he was pretty good. I think yeah. I liked the plot in that movie more. Like I feel like it actually maybe they get better at articulating what they're going for in the same way that, you know, the first Mission Impossible is like this Cold War spy era plot. So you've got to pay real attention because there's a lot of shit going on. Yeah. And like the action sequences are great, but I wouldn't... I I sort of know that they were trying to steal something from the Pentagon in the scene where Tom Cruise drops down in the middle, but I don't know what they were trying to steal. I yeah. don't remember why it was important. There's a lot of that because both the movies feel very small scale, but also the plots are... A- a lot more complex than you would think. Right. Like they explain shit once and then keep going and then... Yeah. Like I feel like it's a lot more intelligent. A lot of these 80s action movies didn't spoon feed you with information as much. Like they feel feel like boilerplate pop action movies. Right. But they don't feel nearly as simple and watered down. No. And I think that the later ones do... Certainly the later Mission Impossibles, but maybe not the... Actually, I don't know if I agree with this, but it feels this way. Yeah. If the later Mission Impossibles feel like you you're you can better understand why they're doing certain things at certain points in time. Yeah. But thinking back, I actually don't know if that's true. Maybe they're just like better like more interesting more interestingly made, like they look better and so yeah. I'm like, "Oh, I think I feel like I know what's going on." <laughs> Whereas I actually don't. Um yeah, I I liked it. Uh Do you think it's a Christmas movie? Yes, I do. I do. And I think it takes place around Christmas time. It does I think take place around Christmas time. Yeah. So, I think there are themes of like trying to be around your family and feeling like um, melancholia because you can't... Uh, because you can't do that, you can't achieve that. Something's getting in your way, and a bit of a sadness about that. Whether it's whether it's the location you're in, or the relationship you have with your family, or twelve yeah. German terrorists trying to steal six hundred million dollars <laughs> worth of bearer bonds, and we all have these hostages. things that <laughs> stuff gets in the way. You know, stuff comes up, um, and it's sad. So yeah, I don't that know. That was that was the rough draft title for this movie, by the way. Was stuff comes up? Stuff and comes they were up. like, Ugh. yeah, it doesn't really work. Let's <laughs> go. We make die we hard. <laughs> we make it. Emphasize a bit more how he's very hard to kill. Is it clear why the title of the film is Die Hard other than... It's hard to make him die. It's hard to make him die. Because even then, I'm not seeing the link between those two things. It should be Kill Hard. or Well, he kills hard. Yeah. He doesn't die. No. Do other people die hard? There's a couple... There's several brutal deaths. There's one where a dude gets shot in the kneecaps and then gets spiked on broken glass. Some of the kills are brutal. Yeah. yeah, and there's there's one where he hangs a guy with a chain and then swings him up against a brick wall. That's right. That's pretty is. brutal. Yeah. yeah. So you know, you're saying okay. you don't think those are brutal? No, I'm saying uh, I'm saying they're dying hard. They d- I'm just not quite <laughs> seeing why that is then the title of the movie and is phrased as it is. I right. Suppose. Well, I mean, they could they, they could have titled the movie. Hey, come out to the cinema and watch this movie. The coolest thing about this movie is where you get to watch twelve German terrorists die hard. Right. And they thought. Hold on. Can we just boil this down to maybe like eight or nine words? <laughs> but I think and Kevin okay. Marketing said I can do you one better. I'll s- let me let me throw this at you: the Lethal Weapon series. Right now, you give me a title like Lethal Weapon. Should have just called it. I gun. immediately know what's going on. <laughs> Literally a better title than Die Hard. <laughs> gun. You, you would have, you would have been happy if people have been debating for twenty years whether Gun is gun a Christmas four. movie. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, have you seen Gun? No, I've only seen Gun 4 because it came out when I was in high school. 
Yeah, Bruce Willis is great in Gun. Gun 4 with a vengeance. It is better. It is better. <laughs> I can't believe you think Gun is a better title. I, I, I honestly think Die Hard is one of the worst movie titles ever. Like, the, the and the sequels are like Die Hard with a vengeance. You know what the second Die Hard movie is called? Die Hard 2. Die Hard 2, Die Harder. Oh, fuck. No, it's not. Yes, it fucking is. That looks like a made-up poster no, from a, that is from a comedy movie. Letterboxd. Like, I know it does, right? But these are stupid fucking movies. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a dumb title. Anyway. Sick fucking movie, though. Fun. Pretty I feel like good. the fact that Die Hard 2 is called Die Hard 2 Die Harder gives you an idea of the tone of Die Hard and that you have to go in with. You can't be like, what the fuck are all these quips? Right. It's like Con Air. Have you seen Con Air? Yeah, I didn't like that movie, but I watched right. it before I was looking for what it was. But I think from what I understand, like, the series is quite self-aware. Yeah. And so, like, Die Hard 2 is a very ironic or, like, irony-heavy sequel um, yeah. where they understand what was goofy and what was, like, intentional and, and a, a wink at the camera in the first one. Yeah. And kind of double down on that. So, you know, um, it's not, like, it's not meant to be taking itself completely seriously. There's definitely a lot of um, a lot of moments where, yeah, they are sort of winking at the camera or whatever. Um, I think it's a fun it's, movie it's to fun watch with a group that. of people as yeah, well. Yeah, it was good. It's it fun good. to laugh with the movie. It's fun to laugh at the movie. Right. There's a whole bunch of shit that is, yeah, goofy enough in a stupid. I think we we were with a group of people where half of the movie, half of the people in the room hadn't even seen it, didn't even really want to see it. Yeah. And still, I think everyone had a good time. I would say so. Maybe they maybe they didn't think it was their kind of movie, but they didn't not enjoy it. Yeah. Now, that segues well into the second film that we watched, which. Several people in the room had spoken very fondly of before we watched this film. And in the same way, or in the opposite way that people can watch Die Hard when it might not be their kind of movie, but um, you can sort of still enjoy it. A movie where love actually should be their kind of movie, and it's still fucking shit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I, I think, think it's, it's the opposite of Die Hard. Right now, I think it's fair to say you watched about half of this movie and spent the rest of the time dissociating on the couch. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, I experienced ego death during this film. <laughs> there yes. was a lot of there was a lot and of regrettably Liam, not because of any drugs. There was a lot of Liam Neeson being like, "Hi, Tom. I, Liam Neeson, are your stepfather." And then you were like, "Oh, no, no, the fuck's this guy? What relationship does he have to that kid?" No, I I think that the plot is needlessly convoluted and uh, when you can actually kind of follow it reasonably bad. All right. So, do you think that... So, so, uh, Love Actually... Okay. Love Actually came out 2003, directed by fucking criminal Richard Curtis. Right. Uh, The letterbox synopsis for this film, which doesn't really indicate what the film is about at all, says... The ultimate romantic comedy. Well, we'll go. fucking see about that, won't there we? Follows seemingly unrelated people as their lives begin to intertwine while they fall in <clears throat> and out <clears throat> of love. Actually. Affections languish and develop as Christmas draws near. Yep. Shut the fuck up. All right. Do you think you can name all the different... So, so there's... I don't know how many different plot lines there are in this movie. Yep. Um, I, I, I might guess... Eight or nine? Yep. Do you think that you can name all the different plot lines? Hold yes. on. There's one, two, three, four. There's nine. Yep, I think I can. Okay, go on. Okay, so we start off with uh, Fargo Man and Actress Lady uh, shooting a fake sex scene. Uh, yeah, so Ma- Martin, Freeman, yep. Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman, cool. thank you. Um, the second one, I don't, I'm not going to do them chronologically, but I'm just no. trying to go by what I remember. 
Uh, there's Liam Neeson and his stepchild. Yep. Uh, and I guess if that counts, his stepchild's like fucking weird crush girlfriend. That thing. whole that whole that whole thing that thing, trio. Yep, yep. All right, we got Kira Knightley and the guy from The Walking uh, Dead. The guy from The Walking and Dead and Chiwetel Ejiofor, I think. What? Bless you. I think I think that's like Chiwetel Ejiofor, four, four, four years a slave, twenty years a slave guy. Oh no, that's who. Yeah, that's who she's going to marry. But I'm yeah. talking about The Walking Dead. Oh, okay, right. I thought you were saying that's that was The, the Walking though. Dead guy's name. No. And I was like, I think it's Andrew something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. The guy. So okay. that's the that's the the cue cards guy. Yes. Yep. One of the worst scenes ever committed to film. Oh, yes. terrible. Yep. Um. All right. We got Bill Nye, uh, and yep. his agent manager person. Yep. We yep. got Hugh Grant. Well, one, of, one of the many people who are labeled fat in this movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. Real bad. They're probably the only uh, fat guy in this movie as well. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> We've got Hugh Grant uh, as the British Prime Minister and Natalie is the character name. I don't know yep, yep. the actor's name. How many am I on? Oh, no, wait, shut up. We I got, haven't been keeping count. Okay, that's fine. We got um, we got Writer Man and uh, Portuguese writer, uh, cleaner Portuguese lady. cleaner lady yep. who, I can't even remember who, <laughs> who plays Writer Man. Uh, Colin, Colin Firth. Firth. Writer Man. Um, yep. Fucking idiot. Uh, and... Oh, you're missing... Okay, you're missing... Yep. Uh, oh, um, three. yep. Okay. Uh, we've got. Um, so, oh, okay. Colin Firth's wife. Yeah. Counts, right? Laura Linney. No. What? Colin Firth's wife. Uh, Colin Firth doesn't have a wife. He's just a writer. Doesn't he have? That his, goes to the thing. Who buys the necklace? That's for the partner. Uh, oh, Snape. Snape. Alan Rickman. Yeah. Alan Rickman's wife, and the person who Alan Rickman wants to have sex with. Um, yeah, so, so that counts as one, the, right? Yeah. Then there's Laura Linney. Yeah, and um, the gorgeous Spanish and man, Spanish person. Yeah. Yep. So that's I'm missing one. Missing one. <laughs> Fuck. Uh Am I missing a, a, a like a? Would you say the woman is the main protagonist of this, or like a man? A, a man is the main protagonist of the one that you're missing. The one that I'm missing. Uh, and it's I, I don't want to give you too much of a hint, but it's yeah, um, yeah. his storyline involves a quest for love. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's coming back to me now. An international mm. quest to the U.S. where he goes on a plane with a backpack full of condoms to Milwaukee you've, you've and meets me. one of the characters from Mad Men. Now you've lost me. The British cunt that goes to that goes to America and he says everyone in America is going to think oh, I have a cute British accent. Oh, weird eyes, man. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Sorry. And he has a foursome or whatever. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Great. <laughs> yeah, cool. Okay. So we did it. I did pretty well. Yeah. You I got was all paying it. attention. No, I didn't get the last one, but I was yeah. paying attention Very honest for of you. a lot of this <laughs> for a lot of this movie. Right. I think you were paying attention to half of each of those storylines. Well, yes, because as I said, and as you said, it's hard to pay attention when you are, in fact, dissociating and yeah. experiencing loss of consciousness. <laughs> Great. Uh, what was your favorite scene in the movie? I did not have one. No, no. Like, if you had to watch one, like Clockwork Orange style. Honestly, the uh, storyline between Martin Freeman and the porn star lady. Yeah. She's not actually a porn I think star. they were they're both just the actors. Porn. They're just actors. <laughs> they're filming a porn scene. Sorry. Um, yeah. So, the, I, I just don't know her name. Yeah. But uh, I think that was genuinely funny stuff. 
I think that, that was, was genuinely that was funny very, stuff. He's, he's, he was probably coming straight off the office. But they also that. made the same joke about five times and treated them as completely separate scenes. They do that a and lot. And I fucking hate One that. Of my so the first time I saw that joke, that was my favorite scene. Well, it's a lot of like them having a completely separate conversation or him being very awkwardly trying to ask her out while he's got his hands on her tits. Right, and they're pretending to raw dog or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, like they, 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 five times they're like, I know this is a bit forward. <laughs> Uh, right. But would you like to get and a like, drink with me? Can you move your cock down? <laughs> yeah. 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 So there's a lot of there's a lot of jokes that are repeated that I didn't notice because I hadn't seen this movie about 15 years. Yeah, because Richard Curtis is a fucking hack. Yeah, right. So um, I don't even think he wrote it. There's an, an, another series. That, so my favorite scene is probably the scene where Rowan Atkinson is packaging up the gift for no, Alan Rickman. Hated that. I think it was great. Once again, the same joke eight times. <laughs> yeah, but it stretches it out. Yeah, nah, that didn't. I get why that would get you. No, no disrespect, but yeah, that. Uh, well, to be ha- fair, I am a fucking idiot with a stupid, <laughs> oh, yeah. terrible sense <laughs> yep, of humor. Yeah, yep, great. Yeah, um, yep. no, I, I liked, I liked that. Uh, my favorite, my least favorite storyline is probably the one around uh, Kira Knightley. That one fucking sucks. I reckon the one with Hugh Grant might be my least favourite storyline because of how it treats that poor fucking woman. The treatment of women in this movie... This movie is, is so fucking, fucking unbelievable. And I had, I, I had no memory of how misogynistic this movie was to the point where like... <laughs> someone, who, someone watching it with us who was a big fan of this movie and spoke very highly of it was like... Like three quarters of the way through she was like, I don't remember it being this sexist. And I just <laughs> yeah. felt like I was going to claw my fucking eyes out of my skull. Yeah, so Hugh Grant plays the Prime Minister, and he thinks oh, yeah. that one of his staff is really hot. Yep. So, and then when, when he thinks that she is kissing someone else, he fires her. That someone else, by the way, is the President the of president the United The President of the US, States. Billy Bob Thornton. Yep. Um... My favourite scene might have been when Billy Bob Thornton was the president. <laughs> <laughs> that is very fucking funny. But, uh, uh, not for the reasons they think it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, he fires her. Yeah. And then on Christmas Day yeah. or Christmas Eve. When he tries to have an inappropriate relationship with a fucking staffer, Bill Clinton style. Yeah. Uh, and someone's like, mm, maybe that's not a good idea. And then that's not enough for him. She has to be like cracked onto inappropriately by the president for him to be like yeah. uh, fire that bitch <laughs> yeah gets rid of her awful and then um, goes and tries to fuck her on Christmas Eve yep goes door to door door knocking to try and find out where she lives the prime minister is so horny he oh, goes yeah. to 100 houses it's insane her she is and a lot of characters are relentlessly made fun of for being fat when they are not fat also, it doesn't matter, but yes, it's not even an in like a crazy body image Horrific way. Like Im- body these, image these people shit. who are like beautiful, yeah, perfectly slender, normal. yeah, fucking actors, actors, and the joke British is like, actors, but you know, <laughs> still actors. The joke is like, I mean, just just the woman is like a very beautiful, very not overweight actress. Yeah. And for the joke to be like, how overweight is this chick? Right. Because she's not like stick thin. I know that that's like 2002 body era standards, but it means that this film, sorry, has not aged very well. It's not fucking good. And even if it was ever good, which I don't (laughs) think it was, it's definitely not good now because there's too much of that shit to just turn a blind (laughs) eye. We watched Borat last week. (laughs) Borat is less misogynistic than this fucking movie. Yeah. Well, yeah. 
which is insane. Like, I I, I couldn't believe how bad... A, there were things where I was like, I missed the joke just then. And it's like, it wasn't a joke. They just were calling her fat. And like yeah. this, the Hugh Grant storyline ends up with her, ends with her jumping into his heart, into his arms, and he says, "Oof, you're heavy." Yeah, F- that's, fuck that's the pretty, fuck. It's pretty off. funny. It's not funny. No, because no, because she's fat. Right. Sorry. Oh, I missed the joke. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. It's a insane. lot of that shit. Like her own family being like, "Oh, you want to date the fat one." It's yeah. fucking insane. I also, I liked... It is a horrible... You know what I really didn't like about this movie? And I don't think that you would hear me say this about many films. Yeah. I did not like that this film was fucking mean. It felt really mean-spirited. It was yeah. cynical. Uh, there was no... Like, for a movie that's ostensibly about love, it felt very fucking cold. No, I feel like... I don't think it felt mean. I felt like it thought, like... It was a 60-year-old man's idea of what romance is in a way where you can really fucking tell going back and watching it now, like, oh, this dude thinks he's being cute, but it's just awful. But just by putting her down, that's fucking mean. Like, I don't yeah. think... Uh, even if even if the joke is, oh, he's being funny and romantic, like, what... that? I don't think that was ever funny or cool. No. I think people were just ignoring... Yeah, I don't know. It it just really, really like on top of this being not my fucking type of movie. Yeah, and um, and also if you're listening to this and thinking, but I love Love Actually, and you haven't watched it in a while, we're fucking right. Go back and watch <laughs> this movie or don't. Yeah, it's aged very fucking poorly. I think and I just want to add, Kira Knightley has come out into the public eye actively discussing the years that she struggled with anorexia. Yeah. And films like this are disgustingly responsible for that type yeah, of shit. I think there the are fact p- that she was in the fucking cast, I yeah. felt sickened by it. Yeah. I, I felt like there's definitely plenty of rom... I, I think rom-coms get a bad rap in the same way as like... I feel like rom-coms often get labelled in the same way as like chick flicks do, where it's like, media meant for women is bad. Um, and I think that that's unfair and that there are a lot of rom-coms that are good and there are a lot of rom-coms that are even like the mid-tier level, like Friends with Benefits style, 60%, 70%, three-star rom-com movies mm. that are still enjoyable and fine. I think this is a very specific example of a rom-com that is aged so poorly, so specifically because of its social politics. Right. I think I only want to knock this one down as many pegs as I fucking can because it has such a good reputation. Yeah. That is, in my opinion, so undeserved. Can you see I how it would have been popular 15 years ass. ago, though? 15 years ago, in a climate where, not to justify it, though, yeah. in a climate where, you know, people in high school were making dumb jokes about all sorts of shit, people looked past that, and it's this, like, Christmassy attitude. I want a Christmassy movie like this that doesn't make me feel like a fucking monster for watching it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I get that, but it the fact that. I mean, I feel like you just would have had to ignore yeah. so much of the bad stuff about it. Yeah. And to be honest, like I know that a lot of this stuff was 2003. I even found it hard to give it that credit, you know? Yeah. I think this politics nah, like, I think the social politics of this movie were probably pretty bad for 2003. I don't even know. Like D- uh, it it just yeah, I really like the idea of a movie that is almost this anthology kind of thing where it all comes together at the end. I'm kind of a sucker for that that concept. I think that's pretty right. cool. And from what I understand, this is like one of the first really big movies that does that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, think I it's even a cool found concept. it a little bit cynical from the perspective of the like 
seeing the the cast billing as like a marketing tool where you've yeah. got like Hugh Grant in this movie, Rowan Atkinson's in this movie, he's only in it for like four minutes, but mm. he's in this movie and fucking Bill Nye and whatever. And Emma you know? Thompson right. and Just all these huge, all Laura Lee and all these huge big act- yeah. Right. And so I, to me, like the fact that it has so many people in it, I feel like if it was 12 storylines that were all played by up-and-coming actors that you might not have heard of before, yeah. I would be like, oh, well, that's really ambitious story writing. It sounds like it's going to be fucking difficult to make me care about any of them, but sure. Yeah. Whereas this just felt like we got a movie 43 style, which was obviously uh, like a, an offspring of this type of movie. Yeah. Um, it felt like we just need to cram as many people through the cinema doors as we possibly can. We'll just get and as many actors as we can possibly cram in. Exactly. Yeah, and it's fair. like, oh, the more names that we have on the thing, the more that it, this is going <laughs> to fucking sell. It doesn't matter if it's good or not. They've already bought the ticket. Well, it kind of reminded me, like, I like, Ball- like Ballad of Buster Scruggs is one that is not a Christmas movie and it's not almost, it's almost doing the same thing though. Like, There's Ballad a of Buster Scruggs people, had yeah. come together and, yeah, had sort of come together and tied the storylines in at the end. Mm. I think that would have been quite cool as well. I was almost hoping that it would do that. Um, I really like. I really like that idea. Uh, yeah, I think it can work, and it's cool. Well, like even there's this like dodgy action movie called Vantage Point that where the same like eight different is that people that one that was that's set in the Vatican action? City. I think so. I think we got to watch half of that in, in a geography like, geography, class. Once. Yeah, weirdly, <laughs> which like God. God, you're stretching your justification thin on that yeah. one because there uh, was history. nothing that was relevant in that. No. Yeah, it was in a geography class. Though. There you go. Um, even that did a better job of like putting together these eight different stories. Oh, and fucking and, obviously Pulp Fiction is one of the most famous versions right, of great. this of all time. But even then, that's got like, what, four, five yeah. stories? This like, is nine. This is nine. That's It's too much. And some of the most interesting and difficult stories to write got the least screen time because they were just too fucking hard to... Like, Laura Linney's character in this movie, that's an entire script. Yeah. I, she I, is the most interesting and well-rounded person. I, I think, think part of that is what gives this a lot of depth. Yeah. In, in a way, if we can look past the shit non-woke crap in this movie that we both hate, mm. I think there's a lot of depth to the broad scope of different stories that are in there. Like, it's not just cute families. It's like a lot of people that have a hard time at Christmas and her that has a lot of hard time with relationships because of this personal shit and she's got yeah. this weird ethical dilemma that she's stuck in where she wants to have her own life but she also has to be there for her mentally ill brother. Um, I think it's really interesting and I almost feel like, you know, if it was a better movie, it would sort of leave you wanting more from that yes. and sort of be satisfied every time you get back to that story. You're like, oh, great. I get to sort of be teased a bit more with this one. I thought that the Alan Rickman, Emma Thompson storyline with the cheating secretary was almost quite good in that way as well. Yeah. Where I think that was quite an emotionally complex but then relationship. the payoff fucking sucked for me like i don't yeah. i don't know what that storyline's trying to say because the wife is just like uh you've ruined what we had basically yeah well, and then, then like, he comes the tie up it's well, like he, the- he comes back and it's very he comes back at the airport a couple months later after some trip and it seems very stilted yeah and like and she, she just has to do all of the emotional labor to pick up his fucking pieces and that's and, this misogynistic shit right again. so what yeah. the fuck is the point of the storyline should he not have done that because you really haven't I mean, I'm doing a bit of legwork to condemn his actions. No, yeah, there, but oh, like, she she definitely does, and says like, "What the fuck would you do in my situation, man?" Like, yeah, yeah. I I like, and I, I like that it's not all good. Like, I think yeah, I like that that there. has a bit of a shit 
a shit ending where like maybe they feel like they need to stay together for the kids but they have this relationship that's been permanently broken a little bit mm. by this shit decision this guy made or maybe she's going to take a long time to trust him again right and you but sort then of we see that by how Hugh they Grant calling his secretary fat and it's like fuck this movie yeah and you're like oh my god come on and i feel right. like i feel like there's a, there's a good scene every three or four scenes where you're like, oh, I'm having fun. And then they'll mm. come up with some like 2003-ass gag about how a character is fat. Or yeah. like, luckily, yeah. I don't think there's any racist You can shit almost forget which movie you're watching long enough to enjoy yourself. Yeah. And then it snaps you back into it. You're like, oh, yeah. fuck, that's right. And a lot of it the, looks really ugly at a lot of points too. I think it's quite poorly made, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I don't I think don't, that there's... like. I think, I think it's think very the, serviceably done. I, I, I would, There's a lot of I like fancy crane shots and things though. Yeah, but there were also some fucking ugly like weird snap zooms where it's like you've not done that in the entirety of the rest of the movie <laughs> I didn't even notice you just either. broke me the fuck out of that mm. yeah it's very strangely made there were a bunch of like the dialogue is really twee and cringy a lot of the time yeah it I was mostly like the narrative that i had a problem with i just think it's garbage i think the narratives were okay it was a lot of the character a lot of the character motivations and things that i think were like it was like it was like the very nitty gritty character motivation stuff where like there was a lot of a lot of elements about like women being owned. Yeah, totally. And totally. a lot of like uh, this very like this tone of like submissiveness being what's expected of women. That I mean, there's two white dudes talking about it, but like it made me uncomfortable watching it. Being like, that's not what I that's not what I want yeah, in a relationship at all. No, definitely. And just the idea that it came, it it really felt like it was one creepy dude's vision because it came it came up in like three different storylines in this movie at least, where a woman says to a man like, "I am yours. I belong to you." Yeah, almost. And it was like there was never any. Uh, give and take from the man in the other the other way around there was never a man being like i'm devoted to you it was always like the woman being like i am devoted to the man yeah in the alan rickman storyline yeah you're right where she just has to like pick up the pieces and bear the emotional burden of this fucking and her character gets no payoff for that they just fucking credits roll no like she's like you've ruined my life yeah. Bam. But that's not but that that could be interesting, but it doesn't feel like that was the point. I feel like Emma the point Thompson was watching Alan Rickman try and buy jewelry for his fucking squeeze. Yeah. That felt like a much more significant plot point than the fact that it ruins his fucking wife's life. Yeah. I think Emma Thompson does a lot with what she's given though. Like yeah. I, I like yeah. the, I think a lot was, of that cast is good. I think it was really brutal watching Emma Thompson. There's a couple scenes where she gets to emotionally unload on the husband. Yeah. And then she has and to immediately has to go and be with her kids. Snap to be like mum mode now yeah. and then just completely stop being able to express herself emotionally and be like hey sweetie that was really great good and performance like, in the play <clears throat> like got a rough throat because it's just like clenched up because she was crying yeah she's yeah. such an amazing actress it's, look uh, the, probably the most redeeming thing about this film is the performances that everyone gives yeah. I don't think anyone was really dropping the ball yeah. on the performances I yeah. don't think so. They were, as you say, like doing the best with what they had. And I'm sure that a bunch of them thought it was good at the time. But uh, the writing and the character development and motivations and the overall narratives of a lot of the different storylines, not all of them, but a lot of mm. them, were so bad that I found it very hard to enjoy the performances that people were getting. That's fair. There's a lot of creepy shit in this movie as well. Like Kira Knightley's entire storyline where she's uh, fucking like going to be married to this dude and then... Uh, Walking Dead Man comes up and there's that 
very famous scene where he's dropping the cards. He's like, don't say anything. And like anything confessing or his undying part love of that scene to his is best mate's wife. Also, part of the scene is one of the cards he has is, I wish I could marry these people. And he like drops the card and there's like four swimsuit models or supermodels or some shit. And he's like, but in the meantime, I'd love to confess my love to you. Clearly not as attractive or uh, as much of a trophy as these people would be. Like, yeah. are you fucking negging her while you're trying to tell her that you want to marry her instead of her fucking it's husband? An in, it's an insane It's so scene. bizarre. And that, for me, sums up this entire movie and its preceding reputation. And she comes where out... I've seen that scene so many times in so many other films yeah. that no one is criticizing it for what it actually is, which is fucking gross. Yeah, I, I, fe- I feel like people know... I feel like that scene in particular, the parodies I've seen of it more recently definitely have this undercurrent of, like, how insane is it that people yeah, think the scene was cute. Yeah, yeah. And, and maybe, like, 15 years onwards, but... And the fact that she, like, then goes and kisses him and gives him, like, a good on your champ, get out no and go get him. There is no Yeah, exactly. She's not like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like... and Or, or like, don't do this. Like, just don't. Even if you feel that way... Fucking, it's much better for both of us if you just keep it to yourself. Yeah. It's just not appropriate to, if you, and not like this, so fucking weird. Like, the the way that women, as you say, are just like constantly the, the chess pieces that are moved around the board while the men are trying to achieve their goals in the end. Yeah. Like, this film was made, like, the male gaze is just like the underpinning current of this entire film where like... I don't know, is it Colin Firth that marries a person who doesn't speak the same language yeah. as? Like, that's the epitome of that for me, where yeah. he doesn't even fucking talk to this woman that he is so in love with that he will ask her dad to marry her. He literally just thinks she's hot. Yeah, it must be that. And, like, I get the idea. I don't think that there's nothing to the idea of, like, love at first sight, even based on the human brain and like just oh some stuff lights up your brain more than others i get mm. that but like these but these movies don't interrogate that at all like if he married her and then we had a scene in like 3 months time where it was like god it's not what i thought it was yeah that's interesting she might but be racist nothing right <laughs> yeah exactly and if she's from europe probably <laughs> like it's I, there's no interrogation of any of these bad themes, and so for me, it doesn't get any credit against doing them. It's just condoning it. Yeah. For most of it, it's either condoning it or making levity of it, which it doesn't really interrogate either. Yeah. Well, I don't need like an explicit interrogation of like the bad guy and the movie explaining why the bad guy's bad, but the fact that they don't even explore any of it, and the no. fact that so many different characters offer this clearly Richard Curtis's opinion on one specific topic, yeah. like the fact that three or four different women have the same undying devotion to a dude and and the success is falling in love and being with that person forever that's the that's the thing that you want to really do yeah he also wrote uh yesterday right which is also not a very good movie which i also fucking hated and also i like hate a this motherfucker <laughs> yes this guy in my opinion is one of my least favorite popular filmmakers he has a very cute quaint style yeah. that i think has gotten uh, gotten old very quickly richard curtis is a credited writer on love actually yeah. uh mama mia here we go again bridget jones's diary bridget jones edge of reason unfortunately the boat that rocked which i think has a good Damn. script but in hindsight, probably suffers from a lot of the same fucking problems. <laughs> like, 
Uh, Red Nose Day, actually, it's oh, that, that's a oh, you better watch that now. That's a that's a fifteen minute revisit of all these storylines. Yeah, right. I, I will uh, be able to watch that now. <laughs> uh, like four weddings and a funeral yesterday. I just think that oh, this fuck, he's the writer and director suck. of the boat that rocked. Well, I love the boat yeah. that rocked. The boat that rocked is yes, I I also agree, and I think it's funny, and you know, I don't know, I think really probably suffers from a lot of the same problems because I think most of the characters in The Boat That Rocked are men and I think a lot of the way that those men interact with women is pretty fucking bad. I suppose maybe The Boat That Rocked benefits from being not a movie... I mean, there's a lot of love in it, but it's not a movie that's entirely about love. It's a lot of the relationships between men and other men and there's a lot of father-son relationships and like fraternal-type relationships in that movie that are a lot more interestingly explored. And then I think like several men have like, look at that woman, isn't she hot? I'd love to fuck that woman someday. Type, yeah, or the dude who never talks level. and gets more puss than anyone else. Yeah, like so. There's I, it's I, probably I bad as well. There aren't many good. There aren't many interesting and well explored relationships with women yeah. in that movie either. But I don't know. I've got a soft spot for it. I loved it when it came out. I've yeah. never liked anything from Love Actually, and I fucking hated <laughs> yesterday. So. I don't know. I, I, I think I hate Richard Curtis. That's um, probably fair. I wish he didn't have a job. <laughs> I, I want to go watch About Time, but because uh, I've heard yeah. I've heard some people say they like About Time, and I've heard a lot of people say they hate About Time. Yep. About Time is apparently similar enough to Groundhog Day for this analogy to make sense, where he can go back in time, and so he keeps going back in time until he can convince this woman to love him. Yeah, which is disgusting <laughs> and manipulative. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like and, Richard but when I've, Curtis... When I've asked people that like that movie, isn't this what this is? They go, they go oh, yeah, sort of. Like, so, the more whatever, that but you can see the cogs turning, they're yeah. like, I guess it is a bit <laughs> Yeah, it's, I think Richard Curtis is fucking gross in a lot yeah. of ways. And I think he's been fucking gross for a long time. And I, I don't think he's improved a lot with time. He also is behind Four Weddings and a Funeral, which is iconic. So maybe I'll go... Maybe he's so one of those... Love Actually. Maybe Four Weddings... But Four Weddings and a Funeral, I've heard several. But maybe that's his movie that he's been coasting on. Maybe know. that one's actually good. I know? think it's Love Actually, but yeah, sure. I mean, Four Weddings and a Funeral is probably better one, better known than than Love Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. I, as I predicted, fucking hated the entire experience of watching this film. I think I knew that you would. Yeah. And I wanted you to watch it because I knew that you would hate it. Um, I think that you shouldn't write off rom-coms, though, because I I'm think not writing that off rom-coms. There are I've lots never of said that ones. I'm writing off rom-coms. They're not the type of movie that I tend to enjoy, but if I hear yeah. a, a good one, like, yeah, the one that gets brought up a lot is um, the, uh, the big, big Sick. Sick. Thank yeah, you. The which Kamel is like Nanjiani. A, which is like a... Tr- he likes rom-coms and sort of wrote that as a tribute or, right. or as a channeling his love of classic rom-coms. Yeah. I keep mentioning I on this podcast is, to death. He's a comedy writer yeah. who wrote a story about a relationship. And so it's that a comedy really happened to that him, has yeah. romance in it. Yeah. Well, and I feel I like it's that's a, it's a bad idea to try and write a story about a romance where you also try and be funny when you're not a <laughs> fucking comedy writer. Because you just have to be a good humor, writer, right? Yeah. You have to be a good Comedy writer. Yeah. Comedy is very fucking difficult. It's harder to write, I think, than engaging romance stuff. Well, is it because otherwise it's just a bit cute and you don't like that? Like, yeah, and a it's bit twee type. bullshit type. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you're wasting time about it. And yeah, yeah I don't I know. Haven't so, se- I haven't seen that many of them. I, th- I think that... Um, like, there was not a single 
or, or barely any funny shit in Love Actually. For it to be called a rom-com, I think a I lot feel, of the com was very funny. I feel like lacking. maybe rom-com is maybe short. It's not like this is a comedy movie. It's more like this is a romantic movie that is more lighthearted in tone. Right, I know. It's but not that's like why drama. I don't like those. It's yeah, because okay. if I want to watch a drama about love or I want to watch a comedy about a relationship, I don't want to watch a movie that tries to be both of those things and is really neither. Yeah, I, I, th- I think they work and I, th- I think that I think I, don't know, I think you're missing out. I'm worried. I'm worried. My boy's missing out. I'm. I'm not. There are movies that would maybe be classified as a rom com that I have liked. It's not yeah. that I don't like any rom com. It's weird that you're putting this blanket rule where you said no rom coms forever. Yeah, that is weird <laughs> that I have done that and I've said that, and that's the thing that I'm I, doing. I've mentioned it a hundred thousand times, and I think people are sick of it. But I really like when Harry met Sally. It's one of my favorite. Yeah. Uh, movies ever. Annie Hall, another one of my favorite movies ever. Mm. So if you if you if you hate rom coms and you want two to convince you, those are two to worth. To go, go in and visit. Yeah. I think my favorite Christmas movie is probably The Nightmare Before, Before Christmas. Christmas. I also really like Home Alone, but I haven't seen that in ages. So if Home Alone turns out to be horribly misogynistic as well, <laughs> that's well, something that we just three deserved. men in it, right? So yeah, yeah. Mm, probably not. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't think that's probably all we got, right? It's probably uh, racist against Italians. Hope so, so I'm keen to go in on it. <laughs> Sounds like it'll be a fun time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this was uh, worse than every movie I've ever seen. Yeah, great. Combined, right? Yeah. Yep. And uh, better than absolutely nothing. And <laughs> uh, Die Hard was definitely better than it. Great. Cool. So, there you go. That's our official verdict and our official ranking. I think it's pretty clear how things lie. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. I don't know when we're going to be back. We sort of keep dipping in and out of this. I don't know what we're going to do next week. If you have mm. any ideas about what's coming out or anything that's new that you want us to see, let us know. What, you, what are your favorite Christmas movies? Maybe yeah. we'll revive our dead group and see if anyone in there has any thoughts. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm pretty keen to watch Gremlins. Maybe we could do that next week. <laughs> like a double Christmas <laughs> oh, special. No, nah, I'll probably leave Gremlins till next year. Uh, if this uh, if this movie comes out before Christmas, then that means I fucking had a late night in the editing suite cranking it out because yeah. it's about the 23rd of December. And then as you we record this the podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you're fucking welcome. Yeah. To the three of you losers that are listening to this on Christmas morning. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks. Yeah, thank you. Merry, some, yeah, Merry Christmas from all of us here at Beef Station HQ. That's right. This office of 15 people keeps this podcast cranking it's out every two or three expensive weeks. expensive for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm yep. glad to all of you that are still listening. Tell your friends. We think this is a good, a good app. Yeah. Not a Stay good app. Safe. Maybe not the specific one. But yeah, we think it's a good podcast. Stay safe. Uh, hopefully you can be with your families, but if you can't, hopefully you can talk to them. Um, we'll see you when we come back in 2022. That's right. Yep. <laughs> when the pandemic's done, because everybody's dead. <laughs> bye. All right. Bye. Merry Christmas. Bye. 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 I feel it in my fingers. I feel it in my toes. Christmas is all